Hello and welcome to the Run With Ellie live show, the show that brings you stories from your everyday runners to professional athletes and other specialists in the running community who all share a common passion for the sport. I'm your host, Coach Allie. I hope my podcast can help you change the way you live and the way you move so in the long run, you're able to live a sustainable and healthy lifestyle that you deserve. The purpose of this podcast is to promote the love of running. Throughout my experience speaking with the individuals in the running community, I've found that many of us seek acceptance and relatability in some way, shape, or form. On Run With Alley Live, I tie together the common pain points and solutions through the stories told by the special guests on the show. Each individual has a unique running journey and shares how running impacts the mind and body in the sport and outside of it, both mentally and physically. So stop being so hard on yourself. Tune in right here weekly for new motivational episodes with special guests to inspire you to change your life for the long run. Thank you once again for joining us on Run With Ally Live. Please don't forget to support the show and our special show guests by clicking on the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose to listen to the show on. Welcome back to the Run With Ally Live podcast. It is December 5th and it is really warm here in San Diego, California. Uh, Roberto, I know you're in New York right now. You just got back from the Speed Project. Um, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, mentally and physically, I think I'm still there because I just went out for a run um, earlier today and it was two degrees Celsius, which I think is like, uh, let me do the conversion. Uh, I don't know. It's like low 30s or mid 30s uh, Fahrenheit. So a lot colder than this Barcelona kid likes, um, whereas the speed project was at the Atacama Desert in Chile. It was high altitude, which I love, and it was dry, it was hot, so all things that I love. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, I'm happy to be back home and just, you know, continuing onward. Yeah, no, and I'm happy to have you back on the show. Um, for those of you that you know are returning here, please, um, you know, if you haven't subscribed to the show already, I. I hope you have. I think you have if you're back. And if you're new here, this is a great episode to listen to. Um, Roberto is an excellent BN, and now he's taken his, you know, talents to the professional world to help other runners, you know, kind of live their best lives through running. Um, And I wanted to start out this episode today because Roberto just kind of ripped off the Band-Aid and had a really tough workout. And I saw him chugging a thing of chocolate milk, and I was like, oh, that's so good for recovery. So... It is for anyone listening who doesn't really know anything about recovery and, um, you know, all the things about training. So, Roberto, what was your workout like this morning? Um, my workout was a staple workout that I either have myself do, but really mostly my athletes do before the marathon, the week of a marathon. So, full disclosure, I'm pacing the Tucson uh, I'm pacing a couple of friends on the Tucson marathon this weekend. So I want to make sure that I was ready to go myself. So the workout is essentially just um, just about 10 minutes or a mile and a half easy warm up. Uh, and then you go right into a 5K um, up tempo. I'll describe what that means in a second. And then from there, you just click right into another 10 minutes or a mile and a half or so easy cool down. So it's really short all in all. Um, you know, you might get like, what, maybe 10K worth of work in it, depending on how, obviously how fast you run 10 minutes um, in 10 minutes, or if you actually go by by minutes versus miles and do a mile and a half. 
Um, and usually when I have my athletes do it, regardless of what their goal is, I try to have them run at what I call GMP minus GMP, meaning goal marathon pace minus. So minus might be like, for example, if someone's trying to break three hours or run three hours is around 650 ish per mile. So I might have them try to run those five, that 5k in about 640, 635, 640. So obviously quicker than goal marathon pace, we kind of just get the legs turn over a little bit, a little bit of a neuromuscular workout. Also, kind of work out some of the nerves pre-race, pre-week, pre-race week nerves, um, and then yeah, and then easy into a cool down. So obviously, if you're training well for a marathon, and even if it's a week of a marathon, you're not really gaining fitness per se. Um, but this is just like a get a good neuromuscular stimuli workout that gets the legs moving faster than marathon pace, and it should hopefully feel super super easy because you obviously are hopefully ready to run. Um, 26.2 miles for 42 kilometers at that goal pace. Um, and this is obviously a little bit quicker. So in my case, I went um, much quicker than I'll, I'll be needed to go um, this weekend. I think I ran uh, right around 1830 for 5K. So that's like 556 pace. But I just kind of, um, I just won by feel. Um, it was too cold for me. So I had my my watch underneath my long sleeve. And I wasn't going to be messing around with gloves or anything. So I just clicked the watch and said, I'm just going to run at what feels comfortably hard. And and that's it. And yeah, so I have a pretty good idea of my body from years and years of running. And I thought I was running right around six minutes, maybe 6.05, 5.55 max pace. And um, yeah, turns out that's more or less what I, what I ran, 5.56 or so. So yeah, kudos to the internal clock. Yeah. You know, like really quick. Um, so I love that you ran based on feel and I think that's such a skill, especially when in the marathon, like if you could just nail that, like running like pace after mile after mile, pace after pace, feeling that effort. That's great. I think you had a lot of good points on like the maintenance workout and, you know, running a 5k and just, you know, kind of, yeah, to shock the system a little bit. Um, it's funny that you said it should feel easy because I'm just laughing over here for me. Like when I'm always in my second week of taper before a marathon, it, I always, I'm like, maybe a lot of the listeners on here, I feel like, oh my God, I'm so out of shape. Like this feels so hard for me. Like I'm winded for those, like, you know, I do four uh, 1k repeats as my maintenance workout, similar, um, similar effort, similar threshold effort. Um, and you know, it's, I feel like that shock to the system, it's good. Cause when you're like resting so much, you kind of just need to like, yeah, get that neuromuscular fitness and yeah, just get the foot turnover quick and yeah, hopefully it all feels good. But I'm um, going back to what you were saying about the internal clock. So you, you used to compete as at the Olympic level in the 1500, right? Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that and like how that might have helped you to kind of like throughout the years, learn how to run by feel. And now you're actually running for a bigger purpose because you're helping other people crush their goals by pacing them. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, at the risk of dating myself or literally, I guess I will, I'm I'm 41 years old. So I am old enough to have started running before a lot of the quote unquote running technology was uh with us, meaning um smart watches, smart um phones, um GPS watches, etc. So back when I started running um somewhat seriously if you count that, you know, let's say early, early high school, it was just like your typical stopwatch, you know, like maybe a Timex or whatever. And I I think maybe some GPS watches existed, but they were like the size of a laptop on your wrist, you know, and 
they cost an arm and a leg. So like no, no, you know, serious high school kid was going to get that. Um, also, shout out to Fox Lane High School since you and I went to rival high schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And shout out to Greeley. You know, a lot of love for Greeley. Um, so, yeah. So I just learned to run. Um, and even before that, when I really took up running, I just learned to run by by feel. You know, as a little kid, like you run hard, you get tired, so you slow down or you're made to slow down because you're tired. And, you know, over time, you kind of learn um you know, where, where your baselines are. And then I said, start to get a little bit more serious and start to, you know, do actual training with, with high school coaches and, and things like that. It was still the same thing where, you know, a coach might say, okay, go out and run 10 miles, but you didn't know exactly because like, you know, Strava and all those things didn't quite exist yet. And, and I'm talking about like the mid nineties, late nineties. So, you know, the internet wasn't what it is these days as well. Um, so yeah, so that's all to say that you just kind of develop your own internal clock and you know sometimes maybe you went and, and drove the course later if you ran on the on the roads i ran in the woods a lot so i would just go by feel and um years later you know go back and clock and it's like oh it's pretty pretty spot on so um but then obviously fast forward through the years and, and get into the collegiate age and the professional age um you know uh, these tools started to become more prevalent and and accessible. So yeah, you kind of just adapt with the times then, but I was always somebody who really enjoyed training in the trails where, you know, speed wasn't um, as easily gained because, you know, you're running up and down the hills, um, tight turns, switchbacks, not the best footing, not the quickest footing, but you're still getting strong. So, you know, you might be spending 80 minutes there and maybe only get eight miles or nine miles versus if I'm running on a, on a nice groomed path in 80 minutes, I could get um, 10, 11, even 12 miles on a good day. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, you know, how I, I just developed my internal clock. And, you know, these days I, I really absolutely love, um, you know, it's not a plug, but I, I love my Apple watch ultra too. Um, it just serves every purpose I want from my calendar, keeping day-to-day -day life and obviously on the, on the sports and, and, and the running side. Um, but that being said, I'll, I'll click it, use it, utilize it, but I still just go by feel often as I did for this morning's workout. Um, and then, yeah, I guess to answer your question, yeah, when I was training for the 1500, um, and other events at, at that high level, collegiate level, um, and then professional level, like you have to know your body. You can't just rely on on the technology. It's really good and, and obviously it's advanced to the point that it gives you a lot of useful data points, whether it's like your sleep score or recovery score or heart rate zones, et cetera, which I'm not against any of that. But I think at the end of the day, like utilize the technology um, at your disposal, but you should still have like a good base, a good core, a good foundation of knowing and trusting your clock, you know, especially for these people who are running major city marathons. I remember running Chicago in 2019 just for fun um, and knowing that the GPS was going to be bouncing off the off the buildings and I might have one split that's way quicker, another that's slower and things like that. And, and, you know, knowing not to panic. And I think oftentimes people who are maybe newer to running get into it and just immediately adapt these um, technologies and it kind of um, damps or dents their internal um, clock, if you will. So they don't really get to develop that. And then they run these major um, city marathons and they're just living and dying by, by the splits on their watch. And if they're, you know, they cross the lines, like the watch that they ran 26.7 or 26.1, they think like, you know, the course might be short. It's like, well, no, like the GPS was a bit unreliable for 
a myriad of reasons. So yeah, um, but again, back to me on the track, like you have the clock there, you're only running three and three quarter laps for 1500 or, or obviously more for other events. So it's it's pretty easy to look at the clock, but there's also different kinds of racing. Are you racing against the clock, um, which, you know, time trialing is what they call it, or are you racing for um, a place in which case, you know, especially at the championship level, it doesn't really matter ultimately what your time is. You're just trying to place in the top three or top five or or what have you. Um, and in that, you also still have to be able to trust <clears throat> your inner clock, your inner abilities and like, OK, how do I feel right now? Um, how where's my threshold at? Do I have enough to stay here? Can I make a move? Um, can I do I need to hold back? And, you know, if, if those are the internal dialogues that you're having, that means you're really in touch with your, you know, your inner runner. Um, and that is independent of what the clock says, because your body doesn't really care too much about the clock. It's just like, I feel good. I could sustain this for another two minutes or I, or I don't feel good. We need to back off or whatever. So, um, yeah, these are things that you develop over time through running and obviously running on the track. Um, whereas a measured and standard distance really helps because you kind of get to hone that in um, via workouts and, and racing. Yeah, I think I find that so valuable. I think that, you know, the clock, um, like I'm relatively new to running, like with like much newer to you, newer than you. Um, and I think some of the listeners on here are too. Using the clock, I think is such a great tool to match effort with, you know, what you're actually doing after the fact. Um, you know, um, I'm just going to say it. my coach used to like say to me, like, give me a really hard time when I wouldn't use my clock and my watch. And I was like, but you know, um, I kind of wanted to like get a feel for like what I was doing. And even if I messed up and intervals were all over the place, um, to understand what that felt like, if that makes sense. And so to your point for the 1500, I mean, that like is pain. I am not a 1500 meter athlete. I'm actually racing a 3k on Saturday for the first time because I'm working on my strength and speed. And that brings me to like our main gist of our topic today. Um, but working on that basic speed, like now you just mentioned running the 2019 Chicago marathon and you're pacing a few of your athletes this weekend in a marathon. Um, how do you think, this is kind of a loaded question, but how do you think like running by feel in the 1500 and the shorter stuff, like 1500 to 3k to 5k, um, which is 3.1 miles for those of you that don't know the distance, um, could translate to a half marathon, 13.1 miles, and even a marathon, 26.2 miles or 42k. Um, yeah. So running by feel you're, you're saying, yeah. And like truly like just like working those basic like speed, like those thresholds, like at the shorter distances, how that could help you and be beneficial as you like extend the distance and go longer. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that, again, ideally, this is speaking more to the newer runners, because when you're new, like it's easier, you're not as um, molded or, or shaped already by preconceived notions or, or prior experiences. So, but that being said, any runner listen to this, whether they're um, a novice or have been running at it for a while, like the, the advice holds the same because we're speaking at the end of the day about human physiology, um, which it's the same for everybody. Obviously we all start at different levels based on, you know, genetics and, and ability, et cetera. But, you know, when, when you're training, the better you could hone your skills at trusting your, familiarizing yourself with your your inner clock and your um 
your your levels, whether it's zone one, two, three, whatever, you know, some people know what that is, some people don't, but it's essentially like what is easy feel like for me, what is comfortably hard feel like, um, and what is like hard feel like, and then beyond hard, there's like that um, you know, minute or two that you could hold the pace and, and then that's it, you know. So like playing around with those different zones or energy systems, you end up to being able to hone it. And then obviously it's the same, um, the same zones for whether it's a 1500 meter race or, or half marathon or, or marathon where you still need to know it's just like, you're going to maybe spend a little bit less time in certain zones. So, you know, your 1500 meter pace, or, or let's just say a mile to make it easier for, for maybe most people listening, um, which is let's say four laps around the track, like, that's more of a of a speed slash speed endurance um, race. It's, you know, we call it middle distance in the professional world. So you're going to be running at a higher percentage of your threshold because you're just running. It's like a controlled sprint. So that you're you still need to know how you're feeling and and how you can kind of marshal your efforts and how to sustain. But we're talking about um, four minutes to let's say eight minutes, you know, um, sustaining that. And, and even within that, it's only like maybe half of the race that you're really kind of pushing, um, at those threshold paces. Whereas for the marathon, it's like a control hard, long run effort. And then maybe the last 10 K or so, you know, you're dealing with fatigue and whatever, and your energy systems are switching because of glycogen depletion and things like that, that you don't at all touch in the lower distances, maybe a little bit in the half marathon, but if you're well trained for a half marathon, not really. So, you know, we're a marathon. I tend to tell my athletes and, and people I speak to is like, think of it as a 20 mile long run and a 10 K race. So it's like, you know, when people are training for a marathon, they're doing their long runs at a nice, relatively comfortable, maybe even conversational pace. And then obviously they could make some workouts in there. Um, but you're always running at a pace that if you had to stop, um, at 20 miles, ideally, or 60 miles or what have you, you're, you're okay. Like you're not super, super taxed. You're a little bit tired from the wear and tear of how long you've been out there, but you're, you, you never really, um, were running a very hard, hard pace. You know, it's just hard. It's just made hard by the total totality of the distance where when you run a, a, a mile all out or 5k all out, you're taxed. Like you're basically emptying out the, your, your well, if you will, cause it's like, it's a speed endurance. Like you're pushing your threshold. Um, you're starting to go maybe even, um, anaerobic, which means like you're running without producing any more oxygen. So that's also something you have to, you know, work at. So for that clock aside, you have to be able to trust, um, your inner clock and, and your, and be familiarized with, with your systems. Like what does, what does hard feel like? Because the worst uh, feeling in the world for a lot of runners who have run many miles before, or even five cases crossing the line, be like, oh man, like I should have given it more. or I had a lot left to give. That means like you obviously didn't um, pace it correctly. Um, didn't push um, enough, you know, maybe you didn't trust yourself to, to make it. And then you cross the line. So oftentimes, you know, going back to my high school days, I had, um, I was the fastest on my cross country team by a ways, but I didn't have the fastest, um, finishes in my races. You know, those went to my teammates who are running 21, 22, 23 miles, uh, 23, uh, minute five Ks because they were just kind of just lollygagging, jogging, whatever. And they would, they would kick like it was a hundred meter race where I was like, I was spreading myself. You know, mm -hmm. if you think of like just the emptying the well, I was kind of emptying the well along the way. 
and mm-hmm. kind of just leaving nothing to the finish line. So, uh, and again, you could get away with doing that a little bit better in a shorter race, like a mile, a 3K or 5K, where in a marathon, you really want to have that sustained control effort. And that's where you kind of build that threshold through training, um, you know, hours and hours, miles and miles of training, long runs, things like that. But also in the process of doing that, you can get to know um, yourself a lot better and start to trust your inner clock um, and familiarize yourself with your with your systems. Yeah, I think that's so great. Um, you know, the marathon, it's so funny because a lot of the listeners on here probably started from the longer distances running, you know, recreationally. Um, and then maybe everyone here is thinking about going back and doing what Roberto did, but maybe not at the Olympic level. But my whole point here is like, you know, I'm just going to take myself, for example, like I started with the marathon and like, I used to finish five K's and I'm like, Oh, I had so much left in the tank because I didn't understand what it was like to empty that well. And like maybe held back a little out of fear, to be honest with you. And just like, for fear of what now that's what I say to myself fear of what because it's it's you know you against you me against me right out there and so it's like learning like how to like how far can you really push in those shorter distances I think for the longer distances like the marathon it teaches you what you're able to do at different distances but also like what is too much too soon almost and, you know, and just, you learn a lot about yourself and I'm kind of going the reverse way that you did because like the marathon, I feel like, like, you know, many of us that are there, like, it's, I don't want to say that's easy for me, but like nailing the pace mile after mile, I know myself so well at that point, but when it comes to the shorter stuff, I'm like, this is a free for all, which I guess that's the way, <laughs> I guess that's the way it should be almost. So like, you know, it's like three K, like, I'm not really sure how to pace myself, but I know I should be redlining it like for the entire time, pretty much if I want to do it correctly. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, for yourself and and maybe other runners like you who started at the longer distances and are now trying to dabble with the shorter stuff, like it's going to feel so drastically different. I mean, it's going to feel like a a literal sprint um, because you're used to running, you know, like tempos and 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 long runs and threshold runs and things like that and you're used to like running at a relatively speaking slower pace and then suddenly you're jumping into a shorter event relatively speaking again like a 5k or shorter where right out of the gate like you don't have as much time to ease into it you know the the marathon you have you could take the first 10k just to feel it out and then kind of start working into whatever your goal race pace is etc whereas the 5k is like that first mile is positioning for a lot of people um, or they're chasing a specific goal time. They're trying to be close to that, if not already on it. And then that second mile is like, okay, did I go out too fast? Um, now I need to settle in and, and not lose too much. And then that, that third mile is like, Oh, we're, we're now we're, we're in it. Like this is the last mile of the race. Like, what do I have left? Hopefully I pace it well. Um, you know, it's time to start my kick um what is a kick do i even have one etc you know there's obviously a lot of internal dialogue but like what i just described like that's just three miles like and really the first mile mile and a half like you're just like recovering from how hard did you go out and 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 is today my day and and you know maybe have those internal um dialogues and then like that last mile mile and a half is like okay like what do i have left can I kick? Um, can I catch that rival? How close am I to my goal race, uh, my goal time, et cetera? So it happens really quick. Um, 
you know, there's no time to really ease into it in the marathon. And then, of course, for anything shorter than that, whether it's 3K or, or mile, it was the exact same thing, except for it happens even quicker. The margin of error is is smaller. So, like, you really need to go into those races um, with a good race plan, but also really knowing um, how you how you've trained and and trusting in the training that you've done and being realistic with that. Like, is today my day? How am I framing this? Is this just like a, a rust buster? Is this just serving as speed work for my half marathons or 10Ks or, or even marathons? Um, because I think how you frame it is also going to really help set you up for success. Not every race has to be a personal best and not every race has to be the end all be all. Some races are really there just to work on maybe areas of weaknesses as well as just help you to your other major goal, whether it's a fast half marathon personal best or marathon best, because, you know, the faster you can run at the shorter distances, the better is going to kind of benefit you at the longer distances, because it's going to make that longer distance pace, whether it's a marathon or half marathon, feel so much um, slower, relatively speaking. So that's kind of, again, that neuromuscular um, stimuli, like I, I mentioned, my the work I did earlier today, um, as well as just doing speed endurance work in general. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm very big on that, like working your speed and speed endurance to make the longer stuff better. And also, like, you could hold a higher fraction of your basic speed, right? Like, if you push yourself there. Um, and so I know that, like, if you run a fast marathon, you could run a faster mile, but uh, getting yourself there is a whole nother project. And it's harder as you get older, right? Like when you're not a kid, it's going to feel a little brutal and that's okay. And so what you just said, the purpose um, of like a 3K, 5K, um, maybe working on your weakness, that's a great way to look at it, I think, because there's nothing to lose. You have everything to gain by doing that. It's like learning about yourself, learning how you can improve and just meeting yourself where you're at on that day, right? Like, yeah, truly feeling like, is this my day? Like, can I hold this today? You know, and if that's what you could hold, just not being stubborn and swallowing your pride almost and just like doing the best you can in the race when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, like you said, uh, you know, one thing I said a lot during the pandemic to to my team was like running meets you where you are and you have to allow the, the space and grace. And it's good to go into any race, any workout with a plan, but it's also fantastic to be flexible and open to life um, especially for those people running the longer races like the marathon because the marathon is unforgiving you know if it's not your day it doesn't matter if you train really well for the previous 10 12 weeks or longer um, sometimes it just you know you have to adjust on the fly but at the same time that's the beauty with some of these longer races like the marathon you you have time to adjust um if it's not your day maybe slow down a little bit or or even survive those rough patches where some of these shorter races you know 10k 5k certainly and below uh if there's a rough patch it's going to be such a larger percentage of your overall race that it could really do you in both mentally and physically um and also if it isn't your day like the beauty of it is that you are done quicker and you could survive to run another day where a marathon takes so much out of you between the build-up and the taper and then obviously the training itself that if you if it isn't your day you've invested so much um you know emotionally physically and maybe even financially that like it could be um hard to to rebound from so that's why i i always advocate people in the marathon build up you know doing some shorter races to kind of break up the training um but also provide them different perspective and, and also just the act of racing during a buildup is, is a training in and of itself because you're practicing racing, which is an art form in and of itself as well. Yeah. The art of racing, that's a whole conversation for another time, but yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, 
I think that, yeah, uh, the marathon is, yeah, I think it's, it's, it takes a mental toll on you if it's not your day a little bit, but, um, the more you do, the more grateful you are. I think for every finish line you get to cross and every starting line you get to line up at, because, you know, like, like you just said, the shorter distances, like the recovery time is a little quicker and they're, it's just, you could do more of them in a more condensed period of time, even though they're painful. So, yeah. Um, anyways, so this was, you know, a great chat, lots of good, you know, material covered in here. Um, you know, if you could leave everyone with just one thing, um, in terms of advice for working on, you know, basic speed and speed endurance before heading into like a marathon training block, like what advice would you give? And this could go for anything from like, types of races to enter, types of time trials, types of training, you name it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's loaded. Um, but in order to make it super easy to understand, I would say um, diversify your training as much as possible. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, it really doesn't matter what your goal race or favorite race distance is. Um, running is obviously a bipedal motion you know you know one leg at a time running etc but like it's it's a, it's an event that <clears throat> you do really need to try to work as many different energy systems as possible so focus on your weaknesses make your weaknesses your strengths so if your weaknesses are hills maybe incorporate more hills into your workouts into your runs into your easy runs um, even specific hill workouts uh, and that doesn't matter if, if you're training for a fast flat marathon like valencia that just happened or berlin or, or chicago um, you know like just make yourself as more as robust as possible so i would say diversify your training but also um in within that i also mean like Short hill workouts are great. Um, intervals are great. You know, even if you're a marathoner, it, it doesn't hurt to, you don't have to necessarily get on the track if you don't have access to one, but like doing short 200 meter um, repeats also helps because it improves your turnover. It's a great neuromuscular workout. Uh, but, you know, just no, most runners, I think, especially when they're not that new, they know what they don't like to do. So that's where I would start. Like, what you don't you like to do? Why is it that you don't like doing it? And, you know, and then start to gradually implement some of that into your training because you may not ultimately love it, but by becoming stronger at it um, and not, or rather not neglecting it, it'll make you a more a well-rounded runner and, and a stronger runner. So hills will seem a little bit less intimidating, even if you don't love them, um, or even if it's running downhills, you know, what, whatever that may be for you. But again, just diversify your training as much as possible. Don't just do what feels good or, um, or what feels comfortable, because I think true growth, you know, speaking about running, but generally speaking, true growth begins at the edge of your comfort zone. And as runners, we're all pretty familiar, especially marathoners with the edge of our comfort zone and, and trying to go beyond that. You know, real quick, um, to end on this note, Ooh, what do you think is better to push yourself out of your comfort zone? Regardless, say both of your weaknesses, 200 meter repeats or hill repeats go. Um, I would say hill repeats. I could explain why, or I could just leave it at that. I mean, go, f feel free. Um, yeah, I mean, 
a hill repeat, you know, regardless of how short or long you make it, it's just harder because you're going against gravity, you're going against the grid of the hill. So no matter how fast you're running, you know you're not running as fast as you could be if you were running flat or downhill. So I think there's that psychological um, aspect to it. Um, and then also just hills are get a bad stigma because like hills are generally hard. You know, if, a, if it's a hilly course, you're already expecting slower times. If, if you're having to uh, finish a marathon running up a hill, you're already like, oh, dreading it. So anytime there's a hill involved in any sort of conversation, you know, there's a lot of preconceived notions. But I think, again, um, incorporating them appropriately in your training um, is only going to make you stronger. I think it was a great Paul Turgot that said, uh, hills are speed work in disguise. So and then, you know, I think my former coach, Brad Hudson, has some other similar coach, a uh, similar quote about um, hills or like strength training or something. You know, like if you don't have access to a gym, run a lot of hills because they're going to make your legs even stronger. So, yeah, yeah. always hills. Oh, OK, cool. You just helped me decide on my work, my tune out workout, tune up workout today. I'm serious. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah thank you well thank you so much roberto for joining me again on here um this is a great conversation i'm sure it won't be the last and um yeah for anyone on here i'm going to be sharing roberto's information so if you want to reach out to him and chat training or coaching feel free to and other than that i'll see you um i'll see you next time thank you so much roberto yeah thanks so much bye don't forget to become a member on my website to get updates on my weekly new special episodes on the show, sharing fun running feats, training methodologies, and all things running related to help you keep your running fun. Reference the link in the show notes to become a member of the Run With Alley community so you can connect with other like-minded individuals who love running just as much as you do. Again, do not forget to subscribe to the show by clicking the follow plus button in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on whichever platform you're listening to the show on. Please leave a review under the episode in whichever directory you're listening to the show in so I can better provide you with the top-notch content I strive to deliver you week in and week out. Thank you again for listening to Run With Alley Live. If you are looking for the perfect solution to finish your first marathon injury-free, even if you've tried to get in shape in the past and failed, Sign up and get access to your free 24-week program now by clicking in the link in the show notes under this episode. Sign up now. All you need to submit is your email and I'll see you on the inside. Thank you so much for listening to Run With Alley Live. See you next time.